Yep, goodbye to sin and things that confound. Won't it be great when we can say goodbye to sin? And uh, we live in a sinful world and uh, a sinful, this old sinful flesh, we got to put up with it. It's got all kind of broken parts and everything like that. Head to Nehemiah chapter 10. We just keep going along in the book of Nehemiah. I was preparing this message. Matter of fact, at my mom's dining room table, I was wanting to try to get it uh, fixed up. Sent an email to Miss Dina and being out of out of uh, your office and everything. Had most everything I needed uh, to work on the messages. Had uh, first time ever I had gone into a revival meeting. And I had the five messages planned out, and that God didn't change my mind on any of the messages. Uh, most of the time, he'll the kind of the uh, revival. You'll get a feel for how things may be going. You may change your last message to something else, but just went really well. Again, great to see you. I want to preach on the subject of putting our money where our mouth is, or thinking about. That basically this, you know, think about money. We spend money on things we like, need, and enjoy. That's what we, think about it, that's what we do. We spend our money on things we like, need, or enjoy. Where would the Lord fall in there? Things we like, need, or enjoy. You know, so that's really putting our money where our mouth is. In other words, investing. You know, a lot of people, uh, matter of fact, I was... uh, I called up a friend of mine, Todd Sadowski. He owns a uh, Christian financial concepts, Christian financial uh, principles uh, investment firm over in uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I was talking to him about different uh, things and opinions that he had about different things. And, and he said, we were talking about the economy and different things. And people are, are, are nervous about uh, the economy, where the United States is heading, this and that. Now, I had all those same questions I was asking him, picking his brain. But he said, I'm, I'm, I'm got everything in there. I've got my Ross, my IRAs, my this, my that. And he said, I'm, I'm committed because you got to be. And he said, Jesus may come and it, all of our worries will go away. But we're going to put our money in things we won't need or enjoy. And worshiping the Lord is one of them. And thinking about this, this, you say, well, this sermon's about giving our tithes. And we're going to hit that because that's in there. But more than that, it's an act of worship. It's an act of choice. And just kind of talking about what Nehemiah had to say in our text. And so, Nehemiah, I'm going to ask everybody to stand for the reading of God's holy word. Just one verse of scripture. Nehemiah chapter 10 and verse 39. For the God of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the corn of the new wine and the oil unto the chambers which are the vessels of the sanctuary and the priests that minister and the porters and the singers and we will not forsake the house of our God. Let's pray. Father, may we not forsake your house and not forsake our worship with you and our devotion to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing and 
And uh, we had, matter of fact, I uh, kind of like what I've done here before, I, I thought it was very interesting that I tried to really stress the, the altar. People were coming to the altar in prayer at the revival at Highway. I uh, started sharing my heart, and I really felt led to, kind of like I do here sometimes, I'll go and pray at the altar. I told them, I said, listen, I'm, I'm going to go to the altar and pray. And I think this was uh, Monday night, I believe it was. And I said, you're welcome to join me. And a lot of people did. They came down and joined me for prayer, and I prayed, and different ones. But I had, I mean, that night I got home, and I check see how things are going back home. The way you can do that is, of course, Facebook. You can check it out, and a lot of people post how their day went, if there's any news or different things. And there were some people that had messaged me and said, Brother Michael, I really wanted to come pray at the altar, but my my I had steel knees or my joints. As a matter of fact, my mom herself, she went up to pray, and her and my stepdad, Garvis, and they were at the altar praying near me, and I did not know it, but she had a hard time getting up. And uh, and so she said, Garvis, hey, help me. <laughs> help me get up. And I told her, I said, and then I conveyed it to the whole crowd. I said, uh, listen, if endure it, you can pray anywhere. And, and praying up front during the invitation time is special. It's not required. But there is something special about it. Now, physically, if you feel like, well, kneeling down is painful, and I, you're going to have to call 911 if I kneel down. And I suggested, I said, listen, you also just sit on the front pew. And I've seen that. And that's kind of, a, it's an alternative. And again, you don't want to make a, you want to do, the only reason you should come down and pray at the altar is because the Lord's leading you. And so if you do that, and that's the best description I can give. And it's not any, there is something special about it. You know what it is? You know what's special about it? Is you're saying to the Lord that I want to honor and listen to you and talk to you and it, and I'm not worried about what others may think. And that, you know what you're doing when you do that? You're saying, God, you're that important. You're that important to me that I want to pray to you publicly. And hey, listen, if you pray in a restaurant and uh, or some other public place, that's what you're also portraying that picture. God, you're that important to me that I want to stop and honor you. Matter of fact, we were in a couple of places uh, uh, this weekend flying through San Antonio in a couple of different uh, scenarios where we kind of had to interrupt to pray for the meal. And, uh, and it's just something that I wanted to see our kids see that even when we're out of our normal situations that you can pray publicly and, uh, to say a prayer. And so just a couple of little situations like that. And so Nehemiah and 84 people entered and notice verse, uh, verses one through 27 is just listing, uh, different people, the leaders, the Levites and the priests, different ones that he, he lists there. And these 84 people entered in renewing this covenant, going back to uh, serve the Lord. And remember, they were returning to Jerusalem. The very first point, of course, if you have a bulletin, is the, we need, it's time to step it up. Let's take a quick peek at verse 28 through uh, 31, I believe it is. It says, And the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, and the porters, and the singers, the Nethims, 
and all that had separated themselves from the people of the lands unto the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, and everyone having knowledge and having understanding. The key phrase, and I just want to uh, pick on to be separate in verse 28. We're just going to do that. Notice they had separated themselves. Now, just, just in time to step it up in looking at this description here, the people of Israel, when they came back to resettle in Jerusalem, who was living there? I'm, th- there was a bunch of wild people, Gentiles, different nationalities, different ones. And remember, where were their critics coming from? The people surrounding them, you know, uh, uh, Tobiah and the, uh, all those guys. And, and think about the criticism they were receiving from mocking them for rebuilding. Folks, if you live for the Lord, there will be critics. If you live for the Lord, there will be criticism and you have to separate yourself and that's a bit that's a really hard thing to do uh, i was talking to billy don earlier during the sunday school class and uh, ra- actually right before sunday school class began and i told him the kind of different scene when i left uh where i graduated from where i grew up in east texas uh, as soon as i graduated in 1985 went to uh, Stephen F. Austin for just a little while, and I moved. I moved. To, you know, figured out the Lord wanted me to go to seminary, so I moved. And I, I haven't been back except to visit and preach revival meetings. And so all the people that I graduated with, 18 years old, are now my age, which is 46, 47. And all of a sudden, I go back, and I go, and I go to, uh, and they're coming to me saying, Brother Michael. And it's kind of weird. I was saying, this is weird. He said, yeah, you left in one slot in your life, and you went back in a whole different slot in your life. And so these peers are now looking to me for leadership, guidance, prayer, that sort of thing. It's kind of a just a whole different slot, if you will. And that, he, he described it more accurately than I did. And, and I, it just kind of seemed a little weird. But, you know, we went with it. Matter of fact, we prayed for their kids which are the same age as my kids and there's they're talking about all these problems you know what the biggest problem is is they want to be a christian but they want to be like everybody else and that is impossible let's just go ahead and just put it out there you cannot be a christian and be like everybody else just just spell it out point blank if you try to fit in then you're straddling the fence. As a matter of fact, James is not in our outline, but James says, Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. And so you cannot have both. You cannot serve God and mammon. You, you know, Jesus even mentioned that, which we know is talking about money, but basically this is to, we have to be different. I mean, think about, are my friends drawing me closer to the Lord or further away from the Lord? Sometimes you have to make a choice, you know, and if real friend will say, I, I want you to be closer to the Lord, I want to go with you to church, a real friend will encourage you to have a, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. If we're determined, if we're not determined to be different, then we're doomed. Separation is simply total devotion to God, total devotion to God. All of these verses right here through verse 31 it's talking about uh, just looking to God, 
And remember this, that separation does not mean isolation. Separation does not mean isolation. And thinking about that, it's kind of like the Amish. And I love that uh, quote from Brother Dubs Byers who preached uh, our August revival. And he said this, he said, uh, you know, the Amish stopped moving forward in 1850. Or whatever the year, he said, you know, what year did we get stuck in? A lot of times, uh, not physically, but we get stuck spiritually. We get, so we shouldn't isolate ourselves and think, well, I'm spiritual because I don't talk to anybody that's worldly. Folks, we need to talk to people that are worldly. You need to talk to your lost friend, your lost neighbor, your lost family member. You need to invite them to church. If we don't have lost people in the church service, we're falling down on the job. Bring, if the people are lost, if people need Jesus, tell them about Jesus. Matter of fact, Brother Kenneth just bought some tracks. We got them up in the track rack. Uh, they're great. They're those $100 bill tracks. Be careful because everybody wants one. <laughs> it looked like a $100 bill inside has the gospel. And uh, they're in the track rack if you want to stop by. So we must share the gospel. And we must not be isolated, but we are to be separated. Moving on to verse 29, what I call a blessing and a curse. In verse 29, they clave to their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and into an oath to what? To walk in God's law, which was given. So he went all the way back. Where did the law come from? From Moses. Okay, and they entered into a blessing and a curse. Now, how's this possible? Well, if you flip back in your Bible to um, Deuteronomy chapter 11, this is a neat and this is the second giving of the law, Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 26. Let's just take off there. <clears throat> so he's re-giving them the law, the same thing that's happening. This is hundreds of years later, Nehemiah, this generation of people. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. Remember me talking about, uh, well, what did I just discuss with the pastor pals? Opposites. Y'all not think this is opposite? This is definitely opposite. Uh, I said before you today, a what? A blessing and a curse. Wait a second. I don't want the curse. Well, guess what? There is a choice in the matter. Matter of fact, it says it right here. A blessing, verse 27. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse, if you will not. That's pretty simple. You're talking about an easy contract. Well, you know, the Lord's wanting you to sign this contract. He's wanting you to enter in it. Now, in the Old Testament, they did serve under the law and the penalty of the law. And the law was to show people, you can't live up to my standards. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. The law, matter of fact, Galatians says this, the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, to point us to Christ. And so they served 
under a curse. They served under the penalty of the law. We serve the Lord. The Bible mentions in Jeremiah, a new covenant I'm going to give unto you. We do serve under a new covenant. Jesus brought about, He fulfilled the law in order that we might enter, enter into a covenant of grace and mercy. Sure, there was grace and mercy, even in the Old Testament, but it was all pointing to and fulfilled in Jesus because He is the epitome of grace and mercy. Remember the story of the woman caught in adultery? He forgave her, but He did not stand soft against sin. We've mentioned it before. He said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and what? Sleep. That's right. Go and sin no more. He didn't go shack back up. He said, Go and sin no more. Stop doing that. Neither do I can. That's great news. Neither do I can. You know why? I think she was. Or she did repent. So a blessing and a curse. And that's what we have over here. You have an opportunity. You enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law. So we have a choice today. Even today. Oh, by the way. This choice happens every day that we choose whether to live like everybody else or whether to be different, to be separate from people. And it doesn't mean, again, don't be friends with lost people. It doesn't mean don't be uh, uh, have an influence or talk to them. It means I choose to live my life differently. I want to live according to your standards, God. I want to be... And guess what? It, if you live differently, it, you will be talked about. You will be mentioned. You will, well, look at you. And hey, listen. Hey, everybody that's lost always says this to a Christian. If you choose to little, live a little differently, you know what it says? Oh, you think you're better than, but a real child of God never does. They say, I'm just trying to live for Him. And if you're walking with the Lord and you have a right, you don't think, you don't, we don't look down on other people. Even people that are falling short, messing up, we say, well, we just want you to choose Jesus. We just want you to choose Him. If you ever think you're better than somebody else, then you're listening to your flesh. And you're not listening to the Lord. Because we're just sinners saved by grace. A blessing and a curse. We have a choice now. Areas of concern, verse 30 through 31. There's two basic areas of concern. And that is uh, about who our kids will marry and about their worship. In verse 30, it's, and aren't we all concerned about who our kids or our grandkids will marry? In verse 30, it says that we would not give our daughters unto the people of the land, nor take their daughters for our sons. That's an interesting deal. And they had a lot of that in Nehemiah and Ezra about intermarrying. You know why? Because, you know, and I've dealt with this in a lot of my premarital counseling. I always bring it up. Where are you going to church? And a lot of, a lot of couples have talked about it, but some haven't. They'll say, well, we really haven't talked about it. Wait a second. So basically, I want to, we're just getting together because we love each other, but we're not talking about our future. It's a good thing to talk about our future. Where, and they did. Who, who are our kids going to marry in verse 30? That's something we all need to pray about. 
you know, well, I've had people tell me, well, I'd rather have them marry this one or that one or this one or that one. The whole point is, is, uh, and, and listen, I know that there are people sometimes I marry a lost person or I date a lost person. I'm hoping to get them saved and get them where well, you better be careful because nine times, I know there's a one, but nine times out of ten, the lost person takes the saved person out of church. There is the one. And that's all, of course, there's an exception just about everything. In our physical world, anyway. But you see, what, you know what I mean. How many times have y'all seen it? How many times have you seen it? A saved person, lost person, what's going to happen? If they marry, what's going to happen? It's usually... That don't go toward, straight toward the Lord. Alright, moving on. Our worship is stagnant and polluted. Verse 31 is to be a blessing, not a burden. Verse 31, and if the people of the land bring ware and evictuals on the Sabbath day to sell, that we would not buy it on them of the Sabbath day. How many of you remember whenever stores shut down on Sundays? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, stores used to not be open now. Of course, they're open and it's the world we live in. But they said, and that we would not leave the seventh year in exact, exact, exaction of every debt, which of course is the sabbatical year whenever, it's kind of like, that's where also we got our law concerning, uh, if you have uh, ever looked at your credit report, think, according to the laws of our land, things are supposed to roll off after seven years, except for bankruptcy and whatnot, different other few other things. But that's where, guess where they got it? From the Bible. Guess who established that law way back then? But the whole point is, is that they, they wanted to set aside a day. Think about this. There's nothing wrong with getting outside and taking a nice walk on a Sunday or doing this. Anything that relaxes you or, or reading a book or somebody wants to ride a bike or do this or do that. But the whole point, matter of fact, we're going to look in just a second about the Sabbath. A lot of people criticize Jesus because the disciples plucked corn on. They said that's work. He said, "Well, he said, and he got all hot and bothered because they were saying this and that." Folks, the Sabbath was made for our benefit, and today our Sabbath is not Saturday; it's Sunday. Okay. Now the Bible doesn't call it that; it just calls it the first day of the week. But it's the day of the week that we worship the Lord on. And it's also the day, basically this, if it, if this, whatever activity you choose to do on a Sunday, that activity should draw you closer to the Lord and worshiping, giving time to worship Him. A lot of people are too tired to come to church. I think that our worship should begin Saturday night. In other words, that you should say, you know what, I, I would like to go to church tomorrow. And I can't do it because I'm going to get in bed at midnight. And you can see that's not an excuse because I'm standing up before you preaching after getting to bed at 2 a.m. It can be done and then get up at 7. All right? But look at this uh, passage real quick. I didn't put this in the outline, Dan. You're just going to pop it up if you want to. But Mark chapter 2, verse 27 and it's the, basically it's the story of the Sabbath and how that they were worshiping the day rather than the Lord. You begin, it's kind of like worshiping furniture. I mean, what, the, this pulpit was made for the preaching, but it doesn't deserve our worship. Oh, and somebody gave that to, you know, do this, but it's a piece of wood. Okay? But it's committed to Him. 
Uh, anyway, Mark chapter 2, verse 27, all the way through into chapter 3. But it says, And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, we're not to worship the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord also of the Sabbath. And if you keep on reading, it says, well, right in, he entered again, the second time, into the synagogue, and there was a man there with a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he said unto the man which had the withered hand, stand forth. And he says, is it? Now, notice the question of Jesus. And this is, this is our, this will answer your question about what to do on a Sunday. Is it lawful to do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they held their peace. You know why? They couldn't answer Him. They, because they knew the correct answer. You know what? It's, it's to do good. And if it's to do good. As a matter of fact, He said, stretch forth your hand. He healed Him. Well, to begin to tithe again, just flip back uh, a Back to Nehemiah chapter 10. Now, before I keep going to this, you know, we can talk about tithe. It means a tenth, and it preceded the law. You say, well, we're not under the tithe, but the example of the tithe is before and after the law. Before and after the law. But uh, So there's all sorts of examples that we should continue today. In verse 35, it says, uh, You need to bring the first fruits of our ground, the first fruits of all of our fruit trees, year by year unto the house of the Lord. And also the firstborn of our sons and our cattle is written in the law, and the firstlings of the herd and of the flocks, to bring to the house of God unto the priests that minister in the house of God. Oh, by the way, you keep saying house of God, house of God. And that's going to come back in just a second. And then it, it goes on to say that we should bring the first fruits of our dough and our offering, which tells a lot of people have asked me this question before. Brother Michael, do I tithe off my my net or my gross? I know what answer they're wanting. <laughs> but I said, you know what? If you're having to ask me, that answers your question. And, uh, and I'll tell them, of course, if you're wondering, well, what do you say? <laughs> it's your gross, which is a hard thing to do. You say, well, that gets into offering. But basically this, a lot of people wonder what uh, definitions are. A tithe just means this. And it meant this before the law, and it meant this after the law. And by the way, Paul preached this, and he just said, bring the first fruits, the first fruits, all right? And that's over in First and Second Corinthians. But anyway, oh, by the way, it says, lay aside on the first day of the week, which told him he's talking about worshiping on Sunday. Oh, by the way, that's our, and let every man give as he purposes in his heart. In other words, to pray about it. God loves a cheerful giver. He even talks about attitude in giving. You know why? Because attitude is worship. You know, I look out in the crowd and I see the, and I see different ones uh, singing, and that's a great thing. And uh, by the way, you're, you worship even in your singing. A lot of I, uh, glory, hallelujah! I shall not be moved. You know, we we worship in our. You can have an attitude and a song choice. You know, I don't like what Brother Norman picked out. I, mean, I always right. You know, I, well, I don't like the what they're wearing. I don't like this, and I don't like that, and I don't like this smell. I still don't like the smell. We'll keep airing out the auditorium. It eventually go away, and all these other things. But it, all of it is an attitude. 
All It's an attitude and approach. God loves a cheerful giver. So it's before the law, it's after the law to give God. Folks, all of it's for this, that God would be honored to tithe again. All right, moving on. To forsake or not forsake the house of God. And that goes back to our text. We give our, and it says here, why you give your tithes and your offerings. Okay, why, for the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offerings. Notice there it says even the people and the preachers to tithe. Okay, of the corn and of the new wine, of the oil and the chambers. Now this is why you give. Where the vessels of the sanctuary are to maintain stuff. For the priests that minister to take care of the preachers. For the porters and the singers. In other words, anybody the church needed to hire to do a job. All of those three things are listed right there. Why they brought their tithes in. Now, now I want you to head to Haggai. Alright, just head to Haggai. I don't know where that is. Well, you can look up on the screen or find it. Either one. It'll happen. It's toward the end of the Old Testament. All right. Haggai in chapter 1. Now, by the way, remember if I were to notice that how, hey, notice how much room there is between Nehemiah and Haggai. And my Bible is pretty thick. Pretty thick between yours, isn't it, Brother Bobby? And, uh, but did you know those books go right close together? They did in time order. You'd go Haggai and Ezra right there in tandem, and then Nehemiah and Malachi. And all of them are right there toward the end of the Old Testament in, in chronological order. If you were to put them in time order, they're all right th- those four books are all right there together. And by the way, the, there was two waves of returns of people going back to Jerusalem. The first one was led by a leader by the name of Zerubbabel, and the next wave of people went back under a fellow by the name of Nehemiah. And he was leading all these people back. But guess what they did? Oh man, everything's in a mess. Oh, we gotta straighten stuff up. Man, the invaders, do you remember they're coming back after all the invaders had trashed their homeland and they're rebuilding everything? Guess what they rebuilt first? Yeah, they built, rebuilt their own houses first. As a matter of fact, they said, we're gonna do the church last. Uh, and Haggai talks about it. Matter of fact, he says, this is a, man, this will preach during a revival meeting, Brother Larry. I mean, this will preach. You know what the verse I'm pissing to read here? Thus saith the Lord, consider your ways. Consider how you're behaving. Now, hey, how many of you ever, you know, you know, I remember sometimes I would rather my mom, my dad, my step parents beat me rather than give me the talk. I just, I don't want the talk. You know, think about it. Man, you gotta sit down, you gotta hear this lecture, but get, so that's where we're gonna begin. And this is all about what are we doing with our lives? Haggai chapter 1 verse 3. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you, O you, to dwell in sealed houses and this house Lie waste. What house? The church house. The house of the Lord. In other words, you've done put in paneling, ceiling. You done put in your insulation. You done put in your AC unit. You done put in your, your marble floors and your countertops. Your house looks great. But guess what? My house lies waste. 
Now there was the next verse. Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much, and you bring in little. You eat, and have not enough. You drink, and are not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. He that earneth wages, earneth wages to put a bag in the holes. I was talking to... Uh, we, of course, went to see Karen's family this weekend. If, we, if the last time we were there, Karen, was 1995, that's 18 years ago that we were there. It doesn't, doesn't seem like it's been that long. She had a blast getting to see her family. It was well worth the 10-hour drive in one day to come back to get all that done and make it back for church Sunday. Her first cousin, Lana, married... And matter of fact, we were at the wedding. And uh, before we married, so it was about 87 or 88. And uh, But anyway, and Willie, Will, the way they call him now, married Lana. And he owns his own construction business. He was talking to another construction guy. And a uh, different story than what I told in Sunday school. And then he said, this other construction guy... Was just, he said, man, I'm doing the same place as you are, and your business is thriving, and my, man, I'm struggling. What are you doing differently so I won't struggle? Very first question we'll ask him. Well, the only thing I'm doing differently, maybe, he said, are you tithing? I'm tithing. I don't even go to church. They had the same customers, basically, and the same size business, and the same a lot of things. And that fellow that wasn't even going to church that said it just hit him like a two-by-four upside the head. Well, that's verse 6. I'm working, 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 but not... Well, maybe I need to honor the Lord. And it doesn't matter about what we have. It's what we do with what we have. What do we do with what we have? Well, we finally get to answered prayer. And answered prayer is verses 12 through 14. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, and Joshua, the son of Joshadek. This is different than Joshua in the book of Joshua. This one's the high priest with all the remnant of the people. Obeyed the voice of the Lord. Notice they obeyed the voice of their Lord, their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people did what? Did fear before the Lord. Then spake Haggai the Lord's messenger and the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you. Do y'all want the Lord to be with you? Now, what does this go back to? I set before you a blessing and a curse. Choose to what? Obey or not to obey? Verse 14, The Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Joshadik, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Prayer works. I'm going to ask Brother Norman and our musicians to prepare for a song. Folks, it's your choice today. Say, what? I need to honor the Lord. I need to be separate. I need to be different. I need to honor God with what He's given to me. It's your choice.
Let's bow our heads for prayer, Father. I thank You for this time that we have together. Father, that we may make the choice, the right or the left, the good or the bad, the blessing or the curse, is our choice today. And You spelled it out pretty plainly in the Old Testament. You just said, if you obey Me, it's a blessing. If you not obey Me, it's a curse. Dear Lord, no matter what we've been given, may we honor You with it. If there's somebody here, the ultimate decision of good and bad, the ultimate decision of sin, heaven and hell, is to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior in order that we may go to heaven, in order that we may have a home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.